Good afternoon, everybody. Happy Tuesday and welcome to today's very, very special episode of Great Quarter Gals. I'm your host, Kaylee Nix, here with Grace Sharkey. And not only is it Women's History Month, the month of March, but today is International Women's Day. So we want to give a big, happy International Women's Day to all those out there who identify as women. Thank you guys so much for the strides you're making in the transportation industry. Grace, this episode is just jam-packed with awesome ladies, and I am absolutely glad to be hosting it with you as always. Yeah, we've got women in tech, we've got women in trucking, we've got women in leadership, we've got women just stand their hands into everything in this industry, and I think we did a really great job of creating some really great content for today. So congrats, ladies out there. Um, you know, we... Uh, we go through a lot of, of stress and, you know, I think sometimes people forget that it's been <laughs> just about a hundred years, a little bit more than that. But since, you know, women have been able to work and, and be free to work where they want. Right. So we, we have to take some time like today to, to remember that and remember how far we've come and how much farther we have to come. Right. So yay for us. <laughs> Absolutely. Last week, we had some really tough conversations about what it means to be a woman in your identity and to be a woman in the corporate world and in a world that feels traditionally overrun with men. And I think today's a lot about celebration. We're going to be more on a happier, excited note today. And we're going to start that off with running through some of our top stories from today, which a lot of them have to do with women in trucking and the Women in Trucking Association. So snaps to Ellen Roy and everybody there at Women in Trucking. And they just released their finalists for their 2022 Drivers of the Year. And let's just start off with running straight through them. Our first driver up, we've got Peggy Arnold, who is up there on the screen right now. Peggy is a company driver at Yellow Corp. She's been there for nearly 30 years, almost three decades of being a company driver for Yellow, which is absolutely amazing. She's clocked nearly 1.9 million accident-free miles. She serves on Yellow's leadership team, the Women Inclusion Network Employee Resource Group, and is also on their safety team. It's awesome to see someone like Peggy representing Yellow Corp and women drivers in the freight industry for so long, almost three decades. It's just an incredible amount of time. Oh, definitely. And especially a company like YRC, right? Like that's going to be a type of freight that someone is going to have to be able to uh, maneuver around, use equipment. I think what's really great about these women that they selected is they, they really prove that this isn't a, a man's job. Like, they have worked really hard to make sure that, um, you know, they are, are prepared and, and can handle the job in any way, shape or form. And of course, someone like YRC is, is someone to, to really showcase that with. Absolutely, Grace. And our second lady who is the finalist for driver of the year, give, give her a big introduction. Yeah. So our second one here is Frances Hernandez, 25 years of accident free, which is crazy. I wish I could... <laughs> You know, I get a little bumps and scratches here and there. So we'll, we'll say Grace goes probably uh, four to five years accident free. So 25 years is absolutely amazing. And as a driver for waste management, uh, again, right? Like this is, a, a, I really love when women in trucking does this because they do get women from all different aspects. People aren't going to think about waste management drivers as well. That's an everyday job. The fact that she is if she's moving product, she doesn't have to kind of be the safest in moving, but she's going ahead and she's doing it anyways. 25 years accident-free, absolutely amazing. Great stuff to see from her. The awesome thing about Frances as well is that she's both a mentor and a certified trainer for the waste management 
drivers. So it's super cool to see her stepping up into that leadership role. And she also participates on the green team, which assists with a disaster cleanup across the country. So not only does waste management provide those critical roles in dealing with our everyday waste that we produce as a society, but they also play an incredibly crucial role when it comes to cleaning up disasters, whether that be natural or man-made. And seeing Francis mm -hmm. on that disaster cleanup team as well is just Top notch. So congrats to Francis for being featured there. And our last woman feature for driver finalist of the year is Courtney Oland, who works for FedEx Freight. Courtney also been there for, has been there for almost three decades. She's got a 28-year career at FedEx Freight, logging more than 2 million safe driving miles once again. She's joined the ranks of the master president's safety team for that over 2 million miles. She started her career in the industry when she was just 18 years old. So fresh out of high school, not even going to college. And this is just proof that one, you don't necessarily need that college education to be incredibly successful. And two, with the right encouragement, which Courtney got from her father to enter the industry, you can be just incredibly successful from the get-go. You know, that's actually a really common thing that you see to a lot of these women are introduced into this industry from their grandfathers and their fathers alike. And, um, you know, it, to all the men out there, really note that, note that you're, your kids, no matter what gender they identify with, are looking up to you and, and want to be like you. And, you know, it's it's just really great to see that um, uh, no matter what type of industry they're in, that, you know, they, these fathers can have such an impact on what these women end up doing in their lives. So uh, I was, when I read that, I was like, there's another one. You know, that's, I think even Ellen has the same type of story. So mm -hmm. um, good stuff for women in trucking in general. <laughs> and so those three women are the finalists for their Female Driver of the Year Awards. And the winner of those will actually be announced at the Women in Trucking event, the Salute to Women Behind the Wheel event, which is hosted at the Mid-America Trucking Show at the end of March, March 25th in Louisville, Kentucky. And Ellen was on with us on Freight Waves Now last week saying, you know, if you can come out to that event, make it happen. Everybody's welcome. There's going to be a really huge celebration in Louisville at that trade show. So it's absolutely something that if you are in the area and you can make it down to, I would highly recommend making it down to. And Grace, let's move on to our next top story. Another awesome feature for women in leadership in our industry. And this time in a space that's the self-driving space, which really isn't, there aren't a ton of women who have broken into the self-driving space. Oh, no, not at all. And I, and I would even say in like, even down to like manager and, and less of the executive roles. Um, and this one, founder and CEO, is a huge deal. So Raquel Erdeson, um was recently um, given the a woman, top 25 women in influence award. Um, and Wabi is, is such an interesting company. And I really was excited to see that they highlighted um, their self-driving um product as well. I think they're one that we we don't even really get a chance to highlight enough here at Freight Waves. So I was really happy that we added her on the list today as someone to watch. That's a, actually a really good interview that we really need to try to get on the show as well. Absolutely agreed. And she started Wabi, the one of the only women-led self-driving startups in the world. She was the lead scientist at Uber self-driving unit before it was sold off. And so her list of accomplishments just keeps going. She's got great content on LinkedIn if you want to go give her a follow yes. there. Speaking of content, one of, other, oh yeah, go uh, ahead, Grace. One other thing, yeah, one thing I want to say about her, $100 million in funding she's been able to raise. That is huge. It is really difficult for women in, in tech alone, let alone freight tech, to get their voice heard when it comes to fundraising. So I... Uh, 
for me, I almost put a little bit more, um, uh, a little bit more trust in what their product is doing because I know that those investors probably dove a little bit deeper than they have some of their male counterparts. So that's a big thing to watch too. Absolutely. And the fact that investors feel that they have to do that is is a little bit of that unconscious or maybe even sometimes conscious bias that we see when it comes to people really heavily scrutinizing women who are making waves in this industry. And that's the entire theme behind this year's International Women's Day is hashtag break the bias. So if you go on LinkedIn today, you'll see companies from all across the world, really, in every industry, hashtagging break the bias. You'll see ladies posting photos like this with their X's up, breaking the bias. That's the theme of this International Women's Day. And we've got another photo from Women in Trucking right now. This is the Women in Trucking branded truck. We've got Schneider, who represents the driver of that truck. And you see that driver with her X's up, breaking the bias. So awesome stuff doing to support on LinkedIn, just bringing a ton of visibility on social media to International Women's Day. And I love seeing it. And if, if you know, if you've posted about breaking the bias today, chances are I've probably given you either a love or the, the clapping, clapping reaction on LinkedIn. Oh yeah. And uh, I love this truck. I saw this truck a couple of weeks ago and it's like, it's so cool. Um, and Schneider does so many great things to to help bring in female employees into the industry. And uh, I know that the work that they've done with women in trucking is really paying off in that aspect. So um, I loved if, if people see this truck on the road, like take pictures of it, send it to us. I'd love to add it to the logbook as well. Absolutely. I love it. It's, it almost makes you do a double take. Like you see that drive by and you're like, yeah. well, there's, there's a lady superhero driving that truck. That's pretty awesome. <laughs> I know exactly. <laughs> All right. So speaking of lady superheroes, let's get into our live guests for the day. This first one, you're definitely going to recognize if you are a regular consumer of FreightWaves content. Cassandra Gaines is with us today, a host of Mad Gaines, now the founder and CEO of Carrier. Sure. Congrats on that, Cassandra, for the latest rollout of your product. Super exciting. And I know Grace is really excited to talk to you about the rollout of this. But first off, welcome to the show. It's great to finally have you. Thank you. Thank you for letting me come on. I really appreciate it. And oh my God, that truck was beautiful. Right? I was like, <laughs> wow. I want that on like the side of my wall. This is amazing. <laughs> wow. <laughs> well, you know what? You're amazing. And I think I've definitely told you this to your face, to your face, but um, you're a big inspiration <laughs> to me in the industry. And I know there's a lot of other women too that look up to you and especially your, your, how you've really made your footprint, right? For me, I personally met Cassandra, I'd say like four, five, four yeah, years ago, ago when I, yeah, mm-hmm. when I started uh, watching her YouTube page, I would get ideas on how to create documents and how to go about different, different legalities within the broker space. And I know there's a lot of people that follow it for the same advice. So what made you go out and, and really start doing these YouTube videos and creating the mad game space you have today? It's, it's a great question. Um, I actually never really tell the story. Uh, and I, so I went, I was in-house counsel in the transportation industry for a long time, worked at a big law firm, and then I started my own company. And people would reach out to me often and ask me the same type of legal questions, but they couldn't afford to pay me. So I would create videos in my spare time, like on my lunch break or whatever, and I'd throw them up on YouTube and I would send them the link. And I'd be, because I got the same questions over and over again. I'm like, here's it is, free legal advice. I can, I can easily reproduce it. And it allowed me to give back. 
to to people who, you know, we have a lot of small companies in our industry and hiring a lawyer, especially with a niche understanding of the industry is very hard to find. And it's weird, Grace and Kaylee, because the YouTube channel started to snowball because people would just share and I would post it on LinkedIn or wherever I could like, hey, here's the contract tip of the day or something like that. But I truly didn't do it for any other reason um, than to just help people out. And a lot of that and the snowball effect that comes when you become so, uh, really successful on social media comes a lot by having a personality that's both developed and very either, I would say kind of unique, but also very standalone. It's that you're, you're very assured in who you are as yourself. You know how to establish your brand and this identity. And I think that as you've developed Mad Gains and now with Carrier Assure as well, your presence on LinkedIn, on Twitter, et cetera, has really shown who you are as a person and also shown how you've rolled that into your brand. Can you talk a little bit about if you've seen any struggles of being so unapologetically yourself and any struggles <laughs> when it comes to developing that brand and saying, you know what, I'm Cassandra Gaines, this is bad Gaines. If you don't like it, then, you know, there's the unfollow button. You can close out of my window. Yeah, and that has happened quite a bit. Um, I think that I had to be really comfortable in my space. And uh, I'll tell you what gives me a lot of confidence is being good in my, my own skill. So I know that I'm offering people value. Even if they don't like my personality, I'm teaching you something for free. I'm giving you, I'm giving away something beneficial. I'm trying to help. So if you could look past, even if you don't like my personality or I'm too abrupt, I'm too New York, if you could look past it, I am giving you some substantive knowledge. I think that gave me a lot of confidence as I continued through. But after a while, people in our industry, and maybe this is what's so great about our industry, is that people, they, they like to just be themselves and they all get it. You know, they don't want someone to be fake and they're tired of people being fake and everybody wants to just be who they are and be free and be liked. And I think that that makes our industry quite unique and makes me as a personality more acceptable, if that makes sense. Oh, definitely. And I think that's why people believe you're so authentic because you have continued that. And I mean, we all are so busy moving shipments so we don't have time to put on these fake personas. <laughs> we have things to, we need to make sure the economy keeps running, right? So it's, I think that's why so many people gravitate towards you and, you know, going from law to now break tech, it's just, it's so funny because you're, you're going from an, an industry that's already male dominated to an even deeper industry that's male dominated. What made you want to start Carrier Assurance and really, why is this type of product so important for you to to give back to the community? You know, uh, until you actually, I, I talked to you, Grace, and you actually were like, "Oh, you're 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 going into freight tech. Like you're going to be you are CEO of a software company." And I'm like, "Wait, no, yes, damn, wow, that's really weird." And but I've always I've always wanted to build this product. And Grace, you know this. I mean, I've been talking about it forever. When I worked in-house, I would watch these big teams or they would, they would lead, they would come to me and I would be their managers. They, you guys, they would be 15 people sitting there on their computers, looking at the same data, making like subjective decisions on whether a carrier is good or not. Or not. They don't have a lot of data. It's got 20 tabs open. Grace knows exactly what I'm talking about. <laughs> they, they, it's like chaos when you're vetting a carrier. And then at the end of the day, you could be liable for it. And y'all making mistakes anyhow, because you can't help it. It's natural. And I mean, it's one area of the industry that hasn't been touched. And we really need 
a standardized process. So I have the experience and the expertise to develop it and the brand to develop it. And I've always wanted to do it my whole career. Um, so I think it's just been a pet project for a little while. And then it became real um, when I built the prototype. And then I went and took it to some investor friends of mine um, and then went out and built, built it for real. And the first day it actually worked. You guys, I started crying because I was like, this is it's working. Like this thing that I always said I was going to build. And I always just wanted people to have one answer to their question. You don't need to go through hours and hours of data and antiquated websites and taking guests and fighting over inspections. Don't do it anymore. You got, you got your answer. It's done. There you go. That's all I wanted to do. Uh, so something personally I was telling Keely about was you started showcasing Carrier Sure on your show before you announced it. And I reached yeah. out to you and made fun of you because I was like, are you going to like pretend this isn't your product? Are you just going to like <laughs> live in this existing world with this like real, like no one's reached out to you yet and been like, what are, what are you using? And you were like hesitant about coming out because of what people, uh, you know, might think of what you're doing legally and, and how that would go into the product. Um, which I think showcases, you know, how difficult it might be for women to come out in the freight tech space. What made you just say, you know, screw it. I'm going to announce this. I'm a part of this. I'm its leader. And, and how has the feedback you've gotten since? Um, so it was actually you, Grace. I don't know if you know, <laughs> but um, so, so that Grace has her thumb on the pulse with anything tech related. And she's the only person to reach out and be like, when are you going to, own up to this product. And I told her, I was like, well, I wasn't going to, I was just going to, you know, nobody knows who owns some of these, like, does anybody know who owns, um, cryptocurrency? And there's like other software. Like, why does somebody, why do you need to know who owns it? I didn't want my personality being brought into it. The fact that I'm a lawyer or the fact that I have mad gains where I curse people out all the time or that I'm a New Yorker. Um, there's a lot of personality there. And I was really, I didn't want this beautiful, beautiful software to be pulled down by personality. And it was funny, Kaylee, because Grace, you should have seen, I wish I had snapped this, a picture of this conversation we have. And she was like, basically, she's like, you're a fool. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, you need to leverage that brand, release it, screw everybody. And, and, and we don't, you don't also, the flip side was you don't want people to think like their competitors mm -hmm. are associated with it. Mm -hmm. So I, yeah. I think I'm maybe I'm just, I was so excited about my software and my algorithms and I'm so excited, but I'm not the, you know, I can't think about how to release. I'm not a marketing person. And she just opened my eyes and I sat there forever thinking, well, crap, I think she's right. And, and I think that also mm -hmm. helps when you guys have shows like this. And we have women coming together and networking and being each other's, you know, sounding boards. Yeah. This is a perfect example of that because I did think about hiring a man and putting him as a face. Like, you know, one of those golf guys who looks from, like he's from Chicago. <laughs> he can go yeah. out and get drunk with everybody. Like he's perfect. I thought about it, man. I was right there with him. And, and Grace was like, you're a fool. And so I, I love seeing the relationship that you and Grace have, because I think when we talk a lot about women in industry, you hear the word mentorship brought up a lot, right? Like you think I'm going to grow by having a strong mentor, or I'm going to, I'm going to develop the next generation by being a strong mentor. And you don't hear the word 
friendship a lot by people like you and me and Grace who are sitting in this industry saying, you know, we might have different roles. I might be a CEO. I might be my first year in the industry. But at the same time, we're still kind of all sitting on this level playing field. So Cassandra, can you tell us a little bit about how having a personality like yours, being open to developing these relationships and starting off with a friendship, more of a, this personal relationship instead of looking at every relationship with folks in the industry as a brand building relationship can be really important to the success. And as you mentioned, it is kind of a sound check, right? You get out of your echo chamber and into this relationship where someone checks you and says, hey, just go for it. Push yourself. Yeah. Man, that's a great question. And I think a lot of it, and I don't know if you guys agree with me, but a lot of it, and I'm praying my internet is not giving me a hard time right now because it's such a great question. But a lot of it is our industry. Once you get into our industry, you never leave. So I always tell people, build those relationships and on a personal basis too. So much business is done on a personal business, but you need people who are going to be like, Cassandra, slow your roll. And, and Grace, you were way off with that article. Like you were, I don't know what you were doing. You were drinking too much wine and watching Sex in the City. Um, so we, we, but the personal, like when I was, when I was able and I had the prototype built, I was able to call friends and ask for help. And they didn't help because it was a business advantage. I mean, I'm sure it was, but but it was friends first. And I do feel like our industry is a lot of that, a lot of friendships. And I don't know what you guys think. And Grace, you've been in this industry just as long and have built it. Um, but it, I mean, I think that it comes to our uniqueness too. Yeah, there's so many really uh, difficult problems to solve. Uh, I was just talking to Parade about their new like, uh, partnership with a, a number of their investors, Project 44 being one of them. And it's like, these problems are really hard for one person to just come in and be like the iconic Steve Jobs who fixed it all, right? And I think that all of us want to solve the problem at the end of the day. I think it's, of course, you know, there's money out there for grabs, but everyone wants to get it solved and make this industry better. So I think a lot of the friends that you see in this industry are also people that you know, want to get those problems solved and are end up being the VC or the leaders at these companies that um, are doing really big things. So it's it's almost like a coincidence, but I think that friendship grows out of, of just being able to be that one thing in common being the problem that you're looking to, to fix for the time being. For sure. And I hope as our industry develops, we will have more key leaders as well. Um, that, that will be open to investing in companies and software. I hope I'm actually one of them. Once my software gets maybe hopefully, hopefully, hopefully successful, I will be that person that helps promote other females who are building software. Like right now I have four very powerful men behind me um, who are supporting me and I'm very honored to it. But I'll tell you guys out there from an investor standpoint, I didn't find any females who, um, who are in our industry and investing in the way that a lot of men are. So I'm hoping that that will change soon as well. Kind of random, but I just thought about it while Grace was saying that. No, and that's mm-hmm. that's so important and so crucial. And part of, I think, the work that we're doing here with Great Quarter Gals too is to highlight that space for these women to come in and to, to showcase that, yes, things are run by venture capitalists who are traditionally men. And you've got these investors who come in because they have been brought up in a society that makes them the ones poised in the position to do this. But there is space for the gals to take over as well. So I think that's that's part of the goal here. Cassandra, before we let you go today and move on to our second guest, I want to pick your brain a little bit about Mad Games and about how you've taken this podcast, turned it into a show now. You transitioned from YouTube onto our Freight Waves TV platform. 
and how you've kind of built your brand and being truly authentically yourself. And if doing the interviews the way that you do, and as you mentioned, being a New Yorker and being that tough gal who asks the really hard questions, puts people on the spot and quite genuinely doesn't take no for an answer on your show. Do you think that that has either helped you or hindered you in making progress as now a voice and a face of transportation content? Yeah. I go back and forth on it sometimes because there's so many people that come out and support the brand. They support Mad Gains and especially um, the, the, the like, a lot of people that are on my show. Uh, do you think there are folks who are timid to come on the show and they avoid me and they're a little scared because they don't want to be called out on things? So I, I go back and forth on that. I wish I had an answer for you. If I was like a super great marketing person or something like that, I have some savvy answer for you. But I mean, it has, it's definitely a double-edged sword, you guys. And I would say um, is what is most important to me, this can sound really cheesy, is that it makes me happy. When I'm on Mad Gains and I am who I am and I have my community and I have you guys supporting me and my investors supporting me, it makes me happy. So anyone else, if they don't like it, you know, I'm not for everybody. You can turn the channel, but I think most people are cool with it. And honestly, I love watching Mad Gains. I think it's one of the, my favorite shows that we put on here on Freight Waves TV. It really honestly makes my Friday afternoons to watch it. And so for folks who aren't afraid to get grilled by Cassandra Gaines and who want to step up and yeah, be a face on, on your show as well. You know, you guys need to come on now. Let's yes. do it. Let's, let's go the other way. <laughs> I'm always down. Cassandra, where can people go to get in contact with you either from uh, Carrier Assure now side of things or from the Mad Gaines side of things? Uh, great question. Uh, you can go to CarrierAssure.com. You can go to freightunicorns.com. I built that website because I just love the domain. Uh, or you can look me up on LinkedIn. Anywhere that Kaylee and Grace, you are, I am too. I'm right behind them. I'm their cheerleader. <laughs> and follow her on Twitter too. Your, your Twitter's pretty great. Thank you. <laughs> smooth. That was smooth, Kaylee. <laughs> there we go. All right, Cassandra, thank you for being with us today. We'll catch you on Mad Games on Friday right here on Freight Waves TV. And have a great rest of your week. And happy International Women's thank Day. Thank you both. Happy Women's Day. <laughs> All right, Grace, time for our second guest today. I'll let you do the introduction because you got her on the show. And this is someone that I know you've wanted to work on since we came up with the inception of Great Quarter Gals. I'm really excited for this conversation as well. Yeah, so I got the opportunity to talk with her briefly on Freightways Now about a year ago, but uh, maybe a little bit less than that. But we have uh, LaQuinta Jacobs with us today. She's actually the Chief Diversity Officer of XBO. The first of that title was a part of creating the diversity programs at XBO. LaQuinta, thank you so much for being on the show with us today. We're excited to have you. Thank you so much, Grace. It is so good to see you again. I, I, I am very fond of our conversation and our relationship that we're building. So thank you for having me. Oh, and of Kayla, course. And the, the reason that I uh, really love uh, LaQuinta and her whole team as well is because they're constantly, they're a big part of the logbook. A lot of the stuff that we do is reporting on a lot of the initiatives that XPO has within their um, diversity programs. And you guys are always getting back to the community and helping um, grow, literally XPO grow <laughs> um, at your company. So for you, um, let's dive into International Women's Day. How is XPO celebrating today? And, and what does this day really mean to you? 
in honor of International Women's Day, we have taken an opportunity to engage our workforce. And so one of the things that we do with any of our diversity initiatives is we create a playbook for our leaders. Um, we help them along in the journey to ensure that they know kind of key touch points to make within our organization. In addition to that, we are also supporting um, the Break the Bias uh, with a internal campaign around being an I am a champion. And so we've asked our employees to create selfie cards, post them on workplace, really highlight them in their team meetings, specifically about what you are championing and how you will break the bias within the organization. We on, Our toolkit also includes, I'm sorry. No, go ahead. Also keep going. Includes, keep going. <laughs> no, no problem. Our toolkit also includes information uh, relative to sponsoring women in the industry. Um, if you're doing an engagement activity at your local site, looking at uh, women-owned businesses, we have a podcast. We have side chat with myself and our CHRO with women in our organization to talk about breaking the barriers and how you can uh, continue to grow your career. And then the last thing we're doing is an education series around history month, just to make sure our organization understands the importance of it. So the work that you guys are doing in XPO is absolutely incredible. It is so stellar because not only do you have this diversity and inclusion initiative planned out, but you're actually walking the walk of what you guys have set out to do when it comes to goals. And for a lot of companies, it's become kind of fashionable to write out these DEI goals and to say, look, we have this plan to become so great and diverse and inclusive, but they never actually put it into action. So can you give us some advice on how companies can take what they put on paper and now make it actionable and take those goals from just something that you want to accomplish to something that you actually are accomplishing? I think one of the key things you just said is that a diversity strategy is not just a nice to have, but it is a business imperative. And for us at XPO, it started at the top with our CEO, Brad Jacobs, and his commitment to diversity. When we launched the CDO office or the chief diversity office about 18 months ago, we started out with understanding who we were. We launched a self-identification campaign to look at our metrics and analyze our data. What was our, our percentage of diverse talent within our organization? Where were they? What, what levels and what positions were they in? And we really took a hard look at who we were. And then we built our roadmap. And we started to say, how are we going to answer business imperatives with our diversity strategy? The second thing that we, we looked at is we, we started to look at programs to gain engagement with our employees. And so we launched employee resource groups um, based on the diversity that was in our organization to drive connection points and really give that underrepresented population a voice in our organization. And then we started to work on our internal pipeline. It's great to attract talent into your organization, but if you aren't, if you don't have the systems in place to develop that talent, that talent will become a funnel and leave the organization. So we, Grace, as you mentioned, we started with our Grow at XPO program, which was our frontline program, and then we started to look at our in our mid-level leaders and developing them, our executives, and then we pulled out our population of women in our organization, and we said there are unique skills that women need, and we need to develop those skills. The last thing that I would say, if you follow our footprint, would be assess yourself consistently, measure your progress consistently. Don't wait till the end of the year to see if what you've rolled out has worked, but continue to look at yourself over a period of time to ensure that your programs are driving the initiatives and the impact that you want them to have within the organization. You brought up a really interesting topic that we actually talked about last week, which was a study by Gardner that dove into women in the industry and the interesting lack of 
them being seen more in those manager and executive roles. And I love this program because clearly this is helping them get there. How does your team work to make sure that women are are applying to be a part of Grow? And, and how are you working? Like what tips would you give other companies to help introduce women to these um, types of programs? Because to lay them out, you know, is great. But how do you actually get the employees to to want to dig in and be a part of it? So I am super proud of the progress that we've made. I also read the Gardner article and it was very interesting to see the metrics around women within our organization. Uh, you know, one of the things that I will say is that at XPO, women currently make up 40% of our mid-level, mid-career opportunities. So when you think about pipeline, we've got a really strong pipeline of women in our organization. What we have seen is if you develop the program and you present it, people will come and they will raise their hand. But you have to support that talent and you have to support the raising of the hand to ensure that they are getting the level of development, care, mentorship that they need. And that's been an intimate focus of ours with each of our development programs. We've also seen tremendous progress by being intentional around the growth of our um, racial and ethnic diversity. We've seen professionals of color grow year over year within our organization. And that is something that we're super proud of. I heard a couple weeks ago, what you measure, you treasure. And I swear I was going to take that as a, <laughs> as a coin trade of mine. <laughs> but really what you measure is treasure. And that is something that we firmly believe in. So we have tied all of our diversity metrics to our ESG scorecard, which are also tied to our executive compensation. Mm -hmm. And that really drives a level of commitment from the top that really makes the program worthwhile and also is a very strong focus around um, the development of internal talent. That is something that I think is so often overlooked is the fact that you can't just say that you're going to be intentional about your DEI missions by encour encouraging the organic growth through the organization, right? You have to set a goal in mind and set this goal that is attractive to these candidates that are traditionally overlooked or who price themselves out of applying for these roles because they think that they're not good enough. One of the things that we talked about last week was getting over this idea of I'm a female in the workplace and I can't ask for better things. I can't assert my value because then I will be seen as too much or too cocky or something like that. Can you talk a little bit about how the mentorship programs that you guys have at XPO and using the DEI initiatives that you guys do really overcomes that stigma and gets these women and as you mentioned, the executives of color who are now stepping into these roles as well, who might also traditionally think, you know, I can't do this because of my history of how I've been treated in the workforce. How having the support and the mentorship and the training that you guys provide is that next step to elevate internally and then also kind of helps them elevate externally. You know, if they wanted to seek a job outside XPO, then they can take what they learn and take it elsewhere too. So one of the things we're not afraid of is developing our talent. We believe that if we develop our talent, that tethers them to our organization. And if someone is developed in our organization and they choose to grow their career, we've created a net promoter in our marketplace, right? Because we've created an exceptional experience for them. And so for us, our programs are focused on the unique needs of women, from mentorship to sponsorship, to understanding business, to creating your voice. Um, parts of our program include strategy development, how to build out a program, how to build out an initiative from you know, inception to, con to um, implementation. And so those are the things that we're focused on. Um, we also were focused on 
sharing competencies that women need to focus on and really diving into those and breaking the barriers away and giving our women a very strong voice and understanding that you matter at XPO. I will say we have five core values and, and they include safety, entrepreneurial, innovation, being um, inclusive as well as respectful. And we drive our programs based on those inclusive behaviors and really focus on leaders and building those leaders through women as well as our men in our organization. One thing I, I really love, and, and I've heard you mention this, not just even in this interview, the last one I did with you as well, um, is a lot of the companies I see that have really great DEI programs, it starts at the absolute top. You you brought it up already that this was a huge plan of Bradley Jacobs. And, you know, I, I personally, one of my favorite things to do, especially in the freight tech, is watch how leaders are on social media. He's constantly um, writing on individual employees' pages, cheering them on, um, sharing news like this. Um, how... How do your executive levels get involved with these programs to make sure that the employees do understand that this is authentic and this is something that XPO actually is invested in? So there's a couple of things. We have an executive council that is a steering group for our diversity initiatives. I meet with our executives regularly to understand what their passion is around diversity and how do we bring that to life. One of the things that I am most proud of, Grace, is when we started, we were building, right? We were building our model. We were trying to figure out our voice in this space. And where we are today is it's living and breathing in our organization. And it's living and breathing because our executives are championing the initiatives. Um, it matters to their business strategy. We're engaged with our customers. It is a go-to-market strategy. We also have diversity councils that are led by our employees um, that are giving voice to our DE&I space. And that wouldn't be possible if our individual business leaders weren't supportive. And so again, it starts at the top. You know, Brad has set the, uh, the tone for having an inclusive workplace and it's non-negotiable. And so when you have a leader that is that passionate it catches, it ignites, right? And you continue yeah. to be able to see it grow and continue to expand. And it becomes not even a question of what are we doing? Why are we doing this? It's it's an answer of yes, we are doing this because it is yeah. who we are at our core. And LaQuenta, I want to talk a little bit about your personal story. And if you've encountered any barriers that you thought, man, I could never break through that, how that's contributed to both your success in your career and contributed to your role as Chief Diversity Officer at XPO? So when you think about the story of women in our workplace, women globally make up 47% of our global workforce. Still only 29% of them hold senior management roles globally. And then when you peel the onion back just a little bit further and you start to look at gender or color, um, as well as um, LGBTQ status, veteran status, or disability status, 13% of C-suite roles are filled by women. So when I think about breaking a barrier, I would say that XPO started that journey um, with identifying the first CDO role and then in the trucking industry and then naming a black woman into that role. So have I personally broken a barrier? My career has given me an opportunity to be mentored by some amazing leaders. So I would like to think that I am an example of what hard work, commitment, and great mentorship look like. But I also understand that representation is important. When you are looking to grow your career, you want to see someone who looks like you. You want to see someone who identifies like you. So I hope that I am being an example um, for women who are wanting to grow their career as possible. 
that you can have the seat, that you can have a voice, that you can influence a strategy within an organization if you are a good steward of the work, if you drive and deliver on your commitments, and if you have um, the opportunity to promote that and to build a strategy, it's possible. That's awesome. You know, if you could wave a magic wand and maybe change something just about this industry that would hopefully make it a little bit more welcoming to, to those women, or at least to the, have them at a higher level position. What do you think that would be? Is there anything that we can work on as a, just a group to, to help eliminate those fears or those barriers? So a couple of things I think our industry has proven is relevancy, right? And so mm -hmm. now it's time for us to promote this industry and careers in this industry younger in someone's career journey. Many people who enter the trucking industry, um, especially if you identify as something other than, you know, a male, you kind of stumble upon the industry after your career has grown. I think we have an opportunity to really in, um, embed into curriculum in colleges, trade schools, associations, market the industry, whether it's driving a truck to revenue management, you know, or, or um, being a lawyer in an organization or working in human resources or whatever your discipline is, this industry has so much to offer. And I think there is an opportunity for us to do that more. I also think that we're going to continue to grow. And so as, as this industry grows internationally and domestically, the opportunities are plentiful. And so looking at adjacent markets to identify talent um, would be another area that I think we could really make an impact in this industry and bring talent over with diverse skill sets. So that international and domestic growth is, is a place where DEI initiatives can kind of get muddy because diversity and inclusion and your biases and your separations are very, very dependent on the cultural, your culture and the geographical differences that you see. Can you talk a little bit about your DEI initiatives and how they differ in your international versus domestic strategy, if they differ at all, or if there is kind of this one set standard that you guys operate by and then break it out into different subgroups as, as needed? That's a great question. And great, you might come, you might, I might hire you to come work over here in DEI. You know, <laughs> Um, mapped out, but no, seriously, there is a variation in how DEI initiatives are delivered across um, regions, right? Whether it is different languages or cultures. But all of the programs are designed to be inclusive and serve the team members as adequately as possible based on their different needs. So, one of the things that we did when we built out our DEI strategy is we started to look at the strategy um, based on a regional. Um, need and we start to build. We built programs based on those business imperatives and solving for those business imperatives. One thing that's common, I think, globally that we're all dealing with is talent, right? And talent acquisition. But our global market strategy and how we attract that talent and how we bring that talent into the organization has to be customized. And so we've done we've done that, and we're still on our journey of understanding what levers to pull internationally and domestically, right? That that will really yield for us the impact that we want to have. But what I can tell you is that wherever there is an XPO presence, there is a DEI strategy also. Um, and so our presence differentiates, but we also want to make sure that it is a common experience for our employees, a common voice, but a common experience and that their diversity is valued, 
we have equitable programs and that they feel like we have an inclusive culture. So going into this new year, I guess we're already a quarter into it at this point. Um, what is on the forefront of your mind? You've already laid such a great foundation down for XBO already, but what are, I know you're a busy woman. What are, what's the, the biggest things that you're focused on right now? And, and maybe share some things that you're excited to, to start experimenting with at XBO. So I'm super excited about our progress. I think, again, we have seen ourselves grow from kind of this concept around diversity into a full-blown strategy. The thing that keeps me up at night is how can that DE&I strategy continue to create a competitive advantage for our organization and drive shareholder value? And so I'm constantly thinking about what are the ways and putting on my HR hat from you know the 25 years that I've <laughs> been in HR and saying, okay, what, what are we solving for and how we solve for that? And I think what's made our DEI strategy so unique is that it's not the flavor of the day, but it is specifically tailored to our organization. And, and I, I also believe that that is what's given it energy or wings to grow within our organization. So for me, it is ensuring that my pipeline continues to grow. I have a sustainable um, opportunity to grow that, resources and partners to help us achieve that. Secondly, is ensuring that our leaders are equipped to manage the diversity that we bring into the organization. So I wanna make sure our culture is inherent to support our diversity. We don't want anyone to come into our organization and feel as if they don't belong. And then I would say the third thing is to ensure that that diversity is valued and inclusive and we are listening to our employees' voices. And so we are driving that into the launch of a new employee survey. We're looking at our onboarding processes to ensure that they are inclusive and accessible and that you know everyone has an opportunity to feel connected to our organization. So those are some of the things that are on the horizon for me. And then of course, measuring ourselves against our ESG scorecard and ensuring that I'm delivering on those initiatives for our executives is, is top of mind as well. So with the, all of that internal movement and internal goals that you guys have, a part of e, or EFG, of DEI that I think also needs to be talked about is how your day-to-day -day operations impact both the clients that you serve and the constituents that interact with XPO as a company, but also the general public as a whole. We were in the transportation industry, which at the end of the day could technically be considered a public service. You know, we're moving goods, mm -hmm. we're getting goods on shelves, we're supporting consumers and supporting life-sustaining operations really as it is. Can you talk a little bit about how DEI initiatives also need to be outward looking? And you have to talk about diversity and inclusion and equity and access when you're talking about how your company operates with regular people on a day-to-day -day basis. Absolutely. One of the key things for us is even through our commitment to supplier diversity, we're committed to growing that percentage of, of um, partnership with our partners by 10% year over year. The other thing that we have been very specific about is the type of partners and the type of sponsorship programs that we bring into the organization. We believe that our brand should be leveraged and that we should be able to use our brand to help the communities that we serve. And so we were a sponsor for the Susan G. Common Walk um, and we were a transportation sponsor for them. That was, some, that was a way that we were able to use our assets to both support an important initiative, but also grow our brand. Um, we are partnered with Souls for Souls, which has a tremendous impact both globally and domestically. And we are looking at ways to transport and be a partner with them. And so some of the things that we're doing to make sure that our external 
external brand is reflective of, of our culture internally. It's saying what partners are out there making an impact that could use a partner like XPO. We get asked a ton of you know, opportunities to sponsor small events or sponsor an initiative, but we are really concerted in making sure that our products and services align to the, to the needs of our communities. They answer questions for our customers um, and they also are seen as value added. Love that. And uh, I just love having you as a guest on these shows, just full of uh, great information and just really great ways to implement these projects and really make a difference in the communities that you guys are a part of. I mean, XBL has grown into such a huge company and that's what, you know, Brad is known for, right? He's taking these fragmented industries, but with that power comes responsibility if we're going to quote Spider-Man, right? And, and knowing that if you're going to enter and really integrate all of these groups, then there's some responsibility to make sure you're raising the equity in those communities as well. So I'm, I'm really excited to see what you guys continue to do. And we're going to have to continue to have us on, have you on the show and uh, yeah, let Brad know we're big fans of everything he's doing over here. And that he had a, a great hire in you as well. <laughs> Thank you so much. It has been a pleasure. And thank you for allowing us to tell our story. Grace, it's always good to talk to you. Um, and thank you again for having me on the show. And before we of let you course. go, if, if people want to get in contact with you guys at XPO, get involved in some of your initiatives, where can they go to do that? So you can follow us on LinkedIn. We have a, a strong story on LinkedIn. Most of our content is posted there. Please check us out on Instagram, our Twitter page. We're promoting all of our social content there as well. And then as the org through the organizations that we're partners with, you can find us there. We're um, with Susan D. Komen, we're the Souls for Souls. Um, you can also find our friend there. And then if you're interested in joining us, whether you are a veteran, uh, someone who identifies as um, a member of the LGBTQ plus community, racially diverse or gender diverse, um, please check us out on our career page. There are tremendous opportunities for growth and development, and you won't be uh, sad for joining an organization <laughs> that has the momentum that we have. Love that. Thank you so much. We'll, we'll have talk to you soon. Thank you. Have a great day. Two absolutely Bye -bye. incredible interviews, I think, for this International Women's Day. And I cannot say thank you enough to Cassandra and Quinto for being with us today on Great Quarter Gals. And Grace, we've got some really exciting things coming up, not only for future episodes, but also for some future events here in the FreightWaves ecosystem. Well, let's flip a coin. Do we want to do events first or do, do we want to do upcoming episodes first? You know what? Let's do events just because it's on the top of our mind. And I think we've got some really interesting ones coming. Uh, first, you know, next week we do have the 3PL Summit, which is huge. Everyone that's, you know, brokers out there, 3PLs, logi honestly, logistics providers in general, got to be at this one. I think it's one of our biggest events, one of our biggest audiences out there. I've just uh, spoke with the person I'm speaking with, with today on um, insurance, Reliance Partners will be there. Um, we have a lot of uh, great guests in general, um, keynote speakers. Uh, this is, I think, one of our, our must-go-to, uh, not in-person, but virtual events that we hold every year. And my personal favorite. So I'm being biased. This one <laughs> is a must go to. <laughs> uh, the value driver for this 3PL event, I think is absolutely incredible because it's, yeah. it's such a valuable piece of the industry. Um, I'm sitting down with Ann Rinke, the president and CEO of the Transportation, Transportation Intermediaries Association, of course, another awesome yeah. piece of female leadership in the industry. And we'll be doing the keynote speech together and talking about how 3PLs have this really unique role as advocates in the industry. And 
they're an advocate because they're they're that intermediary. They sit between the shipper and the carrier. They make things happen. And as fragmented as our industry is, I don't think that it would work as well if we didn't have the repeal resources that we do have and if they didn't do the important work that they're doing. So I sit down with Anne. That'll kick off the summit. You can register for that one for free at live.freightwaves.com. It's a virtual event, virtual experience, networking booths, store prizes. You get to see our demos, hear all of these great fireside chats. That's one that you don't want to miss. And while you're on live.freightwaves.com, you might as well register for our Futures of Supply Chain event, which is, drum roll, our first in-person event since pre-COVID times. Yes, I'm excited for this one because I've never been to Northwest Arkansas. So now I get to check this somewhere off the map for myself. And this is a really like cornerstone of transportation just in general. I mean, we've got Walmart there. We've got J.B. Hunt's there. We've got huge shippers um, that are not just in the area, but that will be at this program. Mm-hmm. So for a lot of people out there, you know, what's really great about this event, it's not like any other event that you see you see out there, you know, different conferences, because most of those are tailored to like shippers individually, carriers individually, uh, technology individually. No, here we mix it all up. We get that fun grab bag of, of all things logistics, get everyone in the same room, and you really get to see and hear the heartbeat of supply chain in general. So I'm pumped. The lat- I'll, I'll tell everyone this. The reason that I'm here at Freightways today is because of the Freightways that I went to in Chicago, which was our last in person. And it really opened my eyes to this organization and what they're able to do and, and how great of a you know temperature that we have on this industry as a whole. And the networking was amazing. I kept in so many, it's where I actually met Cassandra face to face for the first time. So um, go to it. I think everyone should be there. It's going to be a, a couple of days, of just really great content um, and, and entertainment too. Mm-hmm. Not like the panel style classroom college as type of learning experience. No direct face to face entertainment that people are going to think really enjoy. So I I just want to see everyone. I want to see everyone and 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 see everyone interact and um, really see just where this this industry is as a whole. Get everyone in the same room for it. The value prop of this event is like absolutely off the charts. So if you need yeah. a reason to convince your boss to go, say you know what I'm going to meet Gray Sharkey and Kelly Nix and the Great Quarter Gals face to face because that's reason. Let's- <laughs> We're going to talk about three PLs. Let's be honest. How many of those guys have ping pong tables? You know, it's not even the value is more than there. And I think you, like I said, like big shippers are going to be there. This is going to be your chance to actually see these guys face to face and the people that actually make the decisions, not the the um, secretary you've been calling at Nestle for the past like six months. So you know, get get in there and meet these guys. Uh, it'll be some real value. Grace, that does it here for us today. One of my favorite episodes so far. We'll catch you guys next week. Thanks for tuning in.